Everybody and welcome to episode 201 of our Sounds Atlantic podcast. Well, simply put, Cape Breton, Nova Scotia's Morgan Tony is an appealing, gifted artist, as we're about to find out. We'll chat with Morgan today to talk about his incredible journey into music that only began in earnest when he started attending university initially at nearby St. Francis Xavier University, or St. Avex as it's commonly called, and then on to Cape Breton University, where he took up the fiddle, not long after, to find himself playing beside Ashley McIsaac. Now, that's life in the fast lane. So do stay put right where you do, and I'll be right back where you're at with all of this and more about this amazing story in a finger snap. When I attended the East Coast Music Awards back in May, I knew virtually nothing about Morgan Tony. and by the way, that night he received the ECMA's Award for Indigenous Artist of the Year, and that's a major achievement for a rookie, let, let alone uh, anybody else. By the time I left the arena in Fredericton, I knew I wanted to hear him again, so in June, I was fortunate to attend the Festival of Small Halls in Prince Edward Island, and I wound up in the towns of O'Leary and Summerside to see Morgan Tony. And by the time we hit the concert break in Summerside, I was the owner of Morgan's debut CD titled appropriately, First Flight, as by then, I knew I'd have to search him out for a chat about his emerging music career. Now, just to whet your appetite, I can tell you that during our chat, there'll be a bit of a history lesson here, a love story, a song that raises a serious social issue, as well as another song that reaches out to indigenous people across our land, westward through Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta, a song Morgan describes as having a little bluegrass flavor too. Finally, and arguably most significantly, we'll underline the observation made by Morgan Tony that he considers that he and his good friend Keith Mullins are creating an exhilaratingly fresh sound that arises when you merge styles and sensibilities from both the Mi'kmaq and Celtic traditions rooted in Cape Breton. Now, just before Morgan joins us, I'll just say that toward the end of the interview, we briefly mentioned the very popular Halifax band called The Trues. Well, they were managed by the late Lynn Horn, just thought I'd mention that, who also managed the career of the late Ron Hines. And then I asked Morgan about the origins of his Waltz for the Elders, beautiful waltz, and having listened to it again, I think what I heard at the outset were hints, or maybe hints and strains from that Tennessee waltz. And with these little notes, now joining me from his home in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, is Morgan Tony. Morgan Tony, it's a delight to be catching up with you. I have to tell you that I first saw you at the East Coast Music Awards back in May on the stage with Ashley McIsaac, and when your set was done, I was blown away. I thought, I have to see this guy. And then I went off to Small Halls, and I saw you again, uh, this time in O'Leary, I think, 
And then I saw you in Summerside for sure with Keith doing all kinds of interesting things with uh, somebody from Maine, an artist from Maine, as I remember, in, in Summerside. Anyway, so that's that's my exposure to you and your music. And I was I, I couldn't resist purchasing, which I rarely do, uh, mm-hmm. your album, because generally I receive material from artists. But uh, I was I was so taken away I had to run down and pick up a copy. I think that happened in Summerside. So here we are, and I'm delighted you're here to talk about this album. It's a wonderful album. And if you would, why don't you give us a sort of an overview of the album, how it came about, and then we'll get into the music. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the fiddle is very new to me, and it is something that I picked up at my time at Cape Breton University three years ago. And how it all happened is I took an aptitude test when I was in my graduate year. And then once I completed the aptitude test, it either told me that I was going to be a nurse or involved in law enforcement or a musician. I chose musician. And so I went to St. Effects for a little bit and in the jazz program, a great, great program, you know, great Great individuals who were involved in that program, you know, instructors and the students, they're really supportive. But it was not for me. And, you know, jazz is not for everybody, but now I listen to jazz all the time. But to just be there in that moment, you know, it was kind of overwhelming. So I left St. Effects and I came home for a little bit. I took a few courses here, which were offered in my community of Wamaka First Nation. And I still wanted to take music somehow, some way, somewhere. So... I reached out to a couple of universities and it just so happened that Cape Breton University, which is like an hour drive away from where I am, were offering a music program. So I enrolled in it. And, you know, a very important lesson is to always read the fine print. <laughs> and um, and that fine print was you had to play the violin to get in. Oh, or you had to play a Celtic instrument to <laughs> be enrolled in the music program. And at this time, I didn't know any... Uh, I didn't know how to play any Celtic instruments. I, you know, I played the drums, and that's how I got myself into St. Effects University, you know, jazz drumming. But this was something different. And so I went to St. Uh, not St. Effects, I went to Cape Breton University, and I had a meeting with the chair of the music department over there. And um, how it all went down is the chair of the music department asked me, Morgan, do you have a violin? And I was like, yep, I got one at home. And that was my first mistake because I forgot to tell her that I don't play the violin <laughs> at all. And um, I got in. Cool. I was happy. And I went into a class one day and it was a fiddle class. And you had to play the fiddle. And I only knew like one tune. And it wasn't very good at all. And so as the months went on, I was struggling really bad because, you know, this is like what people say is the most difficult instrument to learn. And so I kind of like thought to myself, do I really want to do this? And they, they were asking me to, they were very supportive. Morgan, you know, if you want to, if you want to drop the course, you know, by all means you can, like there won't be no penalty or nothing at all. But I said, Go, give me a couple of days. Let me think about it. So I went home to my hometown of Wagamaw First Nation and I was talking to a few family members, and they were asking me, okay, how's the university going? I was like, it's going good. You know, I'm struggling a little bit because I have to play the, the violin, and I do not know how to play. And they told me, well, Morgan, it's totally up to you, but fiddle runs in this family. And, and you know, I mean, we're not forcing you, but your late grandfather played the fiddle. 
Your three late uncles played the fiddle too, wow. and it skipped a generation. And it hasn't been heard in the family for quite some time. And that was the motivation that I needed. So I went back to Cape Breton University and I told them, okay, I want to do this. And I don't care how hard it is. I'm going to push through this year and I'm going to see where it takes me. And so a year passed and I learned a couple of techniques. I had a couple of techniques under my belt uh, from the help of a great instructor, Stan Chapman. And Stan Chapman was the guy who taught Ashley McIsaac how to play the fiddle in his early days, and also Natalie McMaster. And so I was in great hands here. And, you know, he took the time to make sure that I was comfortable in the class, to make sure that I was comfortable with the instrument. And I'm really thankful for him. And if it wasn't for him, I would not be playing the fiddle at all. Hmm. So as years went by, I got noticed a little bit. And, you know, I played small gigs, you know, in the community you know, birthday parties. It was something exciting for the community because nobody has been playing the fiddle for quite some time. And it just so happened that my cousin, my late cousin Sebastian, was working at a little uh, restaurant on the Bedeck Wharf. And Keith Mullins' uh, partner, Tracy, was also working at this little place. It's called the Freight Shed. So, so it's Keith called what again? Sorry. It's called the Freight Shed. The Freight Shed? Yeah, the freight shed. Okay. So Sebastian came in, and Keith Mullins was playing this night. And after Keith set, Sebastian went up to Keith, and he said, I have a cousin of mine at home who plays the fiddle, and you have to meet him. His name is Morgan Tony. And Keith knows every single fiddler in Cape Breton Island, <laughs> and this was a name that he was not familiar with. So he reached out to me, and he said, Hey, Morgan, I met your cousin Sebastian. He says that you played a fiddle. Let's meet up. And so we organized to meet up the very next day at his place. And we spent like hours and hours on his deck just playing tunes and getting to know each other. And I told him, hey, I have a gig coming up next week. And it's a really big, important night. It's pancake night, which <laughs> is like every February. I'm not too sure if you're familiar with that, Ron. No, I'm not. So it's a big thing. You know, the community comes together and they make pancakes. Together. Oh, nice. I love pancakes, I must tell you. Yeah, no, it's big. So do you want entertainment? They hired me, and I hired Keith. And, you know, we just played tonight, playing traditional tunes, you know, traditional Cape Breton tunes, you know, like Winston Scott for Cheryl tunes, Jerry Holland tunes, all these great, yeah. you know, you know, these great Cape Breton fiddlers right. were playing their tunes. And at this time at Cape Breton University, I was experimenting a little bit, eh, and I was taking Mi'kmaq songs and trying to bring a Celtic flair to it. This was the early days, three years ago. And that one song that we did, which we'll talk about more in detail after, is the Gojua, which is the third track off our record. And it is a hit. But at the time, I was just trying it out, and I told Keith, let's try something. Here's the key. Let's just try it out, because... In this Mi'kmaq community, there is a lot of Gojua dancers. There's like champion dancers, and all the elders get up and dance to Gojua, and they were all like so happy that I was there, and they wanted to dance. So this is their opportunity, and this was my opportunity to show the Keith that I had something up my sleeve. So we played the Gojua. It was phenomenal. First time playing it together, and Keith looked to me with a very serious face, and he said, "Morgan, I want to record that." <laughs> so the next week. I went to his studio, and we recorded the Gojwa. It sounded phenomenal, 
And what you hear on the album is exactly what we came up with that the very next week after Pancake Night. And so it was gaining attention. And I brought the idea to Keith that we should make a music video. And this is me, like an amateur, like saying all these great, you know, things. Oh, let's record a song. Let's make a music video. It was something that we were going to do for fun. We had no intention to make an album. But once we saw the music video blow up, that was the inspiration that we needed to make an album. So that's how it happened. That's the journey. How um, cool is that? Me taking up the violin and to me being a professional musician that I am today. So here we are, uh, starting off just several years back, and, and here I am watching you at the East Coast Music Awards on stage being backed by Ashley McIsaac. Hello. How did that happen? So, you know, it would happen after the Gojua. You know, once we recorded the Gojua and I got to know Ashley just a little bit, you know, I'll be going out doing gigs. I'll meet up with him, you know, and we added each other on Facebook. We'll be talking. And, you know, Ashley's been really great to me. Before we included him on the album, you know, he would give me advice. He'll call me up and he'll give me advice and tips and stuff that I should do or his vision of what he can see me being. 10, 20, 30 years from now. And to have oh. him in my corner, you know, just to hear his advice, because he's been in the music industry for quite some time. Sure and for him to give me advice was really phenomenal. And so the very, the, the next song that we written together, and we can talk about this more in detail, is Imsit Nogama, which is track six on the record. Right, yeah. And it had a very swampy vibe to it. You know, it was very bluesy. And Aspen, not Aspen, but Keith told me, who could you picture being on his album? And Keith already knew who we wanted to be on the album, and I knew who I wanted to be, I mean, on the song. Sorry. And I told Keith, we got to get Ashley McIsaac on it. And he said, that's exactly what I was thinking. So we reached out to Ashley, and he did this phenomenal fiddle solo that is on Instant Nogama. Wow. And then from then on, we built a friendship, and now, you know, we just headlined a very uh, popular concert that happens here once a year the broad cold concert which is in Inverness and you know we're great friends now but that's how we um that's how we met that's how we got Ashley in our corner and, and that's how because of this friendship that we have we asked them you know this is a big time in my life the east coast music awards and we wanted to make it as big as we can so we asked Ashley do you want to perform the Go Well with us and you know without hesitation he said yes I would love to do it so we brought him down to Fredericton, and we played the gold one. Holy cow. Morgan, yeah. uh, was, uh, where, where does Ashley live at the moment? Is he in Toronto, or is he back home? I think he's up in Ontario, I believe. But oh, that's what I thought, yeah. A couple times, yeah. So, so you, had to bring him, you had to bring him into, into Fredericton, then? Oh, we were very lucky at this time in May, uh, when the East Coast Music Awards came. He was already in the area doing shows, so it wasn't really out of his way. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, we just asked him. It's like, hey, you want to perform with us? And he's like, yeah, I'm in the area. I'll come down. So that's oh. how it happened. We are very lucky. Well, I tell you what, I, I'm going to change my mind from when I first talked to you about, and let, let's let's get into Mizit Nogama because I've heard you play that on several occasions. It's a great it's a great piece. You want to set it up for us, and we'll spin that. Yeah, absolutely. So Mizit Nogama is our second song that we recorded together, that we've written together, and you know, at, after Goetra, we had me and Keith had a really good conversation of. What could I deliver? What should we talk about? What should we sing about? What are we doing? And I told him, you know, what we did with the Gojo, we're bringing two cultures together. 
You know, we're bringing the Mi'kmaq philosophies, the Mi'kmaq teachings to the table, but also we're bringing a Celtic flair. Right. And, you know, and that's something that we came up with. You know, I don't know if that's been done before. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take my word on that. But this little genre that we created is called Mi'kmaq. And so that is what Imsit Nogama is. That's a pure example of what Mi'kmaq is. You're bringing the Mi'kmaq teachings in with the Celtic music of Cape Breton. Yeah, no. So Imsit Nogama, is a translation to all my all of my relations. And so to find inspiration for the song, there's a very important prayer that, you know, not just the Mi'kmaq people say, but across the country, all indigenous people from across the country say this prayer, and it's the Great Spirit prayer. And, you know, we're, we're praying to the Great Spirit to live under his intention. You know, we're following his way. You know, we're we're saying the things that we need to say, we're having an open heart, and we're positive. Let's care for one another. Let's show compassion to one another. No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, our journeys are all connected some way. And that is in Dogma right there. And so then we got Ashley McIsaac to play on it. And um, it, and you know what? It was really funny. When we recorded in Dogma and we started to play it live, I told Keith, like, there is no way that I can play Ashley McIsaac's fiddle solo. But, you know, I did. And today I do Ashley's fiddle part there, and it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. You know, it's it's one of our popular songs that we play live. Yeah, it is. Boy, I tell you what, when when I first heard you sing uh, "Mizit Nogama," I holy cow, I it wouldn't leave my head for like days. I'm running around saying "Mizit Nogama." Oh, it's a catchy one for sure. Well, let let's let everybody have a listen to this, and yeah. I have to say, just before I spin it, that. When I listen to this and a number of other ones, the the uh, your your observation about bringing two cultures together, it shines through. I mean, that's what you hear. At least that's, that's what I hear in my ears. So here we go. Let's everybody m- make their own judgment here. Here is Mrs. Nogama. Great Spirit for guidance to walk in harmony, to conquer our enemies, the greatest ones are within you see.
For all the lights, the trees, the air I'm sitting all among This is how we end up where I'm sitting all among For all the lights, the trees, the air I'm sitting all among This is how we end up there Everybody. This is April Virch. I want to thank you for joining my friend Ron Moores and listening to Sounds Atlantic. Stay tuned for the finest roots and acoustic music from Atlantic Canada. All right, everybody, that's uh, Mr. Nogama. It comes from uh, Morgan Tony's first flight album. I think it's your debut album. Uh, Morgan, and this, this is just, there's so many cool tracks here. Let, let's get to some more. Why don't we turn to uh, the very first track and have you set that up for us? So this is Kwana Lee. So Kwana Lee is a peace song, originally. And, you know, it is a song that's been played here for quite some time in the Mi'kmaq Nation. And so it's very raw. You know, there's no instruments happening. You know, it's just me my voice, and the drum. And we were trying something out. You know, we were experimenting because, you know, the whole album's like, it's a full band. But, you know, me and Keith were just trying something out to see if it worked. And so what we did is we made uh, a song out of this feast song, Guana Lee. Um, and, you know, it just tells a little story about where I love to go to find inspiration. And this one spot that I go to is Goat Island. And it's uh, it's an island that is in Eskasoni First Nation. You know, it has a beautiful trail, and it's it's just so peaceful. It's magical just to be on that trail because you can feel the presence of your ancestors when you go there, and you can you can just vision what the Mi'kmaq people were doing on this island, you know, way back when. And so this is one of my favorite places to go to. And so as you hear the song, you're gonna notice that it's very different from the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. So it's just something that we uh, were experimenting with and probably going to do in the next couple of records that we do together. Now, forgive me if I'm mis- if I'm uh, making a mistake here, but isn't the Eskanoni um, First Nation located near Sydney? Uh, yeah, it's probably the closest uh, Mi'kmaq community closest to Sydney. Yeah. No, I'm lying. It's the mem- member to First Nation. Oh, it's member to. I'm confusing. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So I've been to member to, but uh, so where then physically is Eskinoni? Eskinoni is right on the Bador Lakes, and um, oh, and okay, I okay. Found out is that like it's the largest Mi'kmaq community east of Quebec. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know it's that. a very huge community. Okay, so so that would have so that's the proximity to Bedeck because you referenced Bedeck and meeting uh, and meeting Keith and, and Bedeck. So that's that that's what made that happen. Yeah, I take it. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. All right then, uh, let's let's uh, let's have a listen to uh, Guanaline. We'll we'll come right back. I was walking down a trail in Gold Island today. There's sun eagle flying over the waves In the wind I heard someone say 
song Feel them all around me proud and stand strong They started to sing and I went and sang along We were singing ego Everybody, that's the first track on my Morgan Tony's uh, First Flight album. Uh, and speaking about First Flight, let's get to First Flight, if you would. Set that one up for us as well. So this, so yeah. this is composed of, of two trad songs, right? Two trad tunes. Correct. Okay. So First Flight is something that I worked on with two of my gr- very good friends, Bradley Murphy and Mary Beth Cardi. And, you know, when I first started playing the fiddle, you know, they were there by my side. Like, we were very close friends even before I started playing the fiddle. And so when I picked up the fiddle, you know, they're so happy because they're great musicians themselves, very professional. And so I asked them, you know, as a thank you for being a part, a huge part of my musical journey, would you guys like to be on my debut album? And they agreed. So... What we did is, this is Bradley's idea. Bradley took two trad tunes that, you know, you hear a lot in Cape Breton. And they were, it was Louie with the Crooked Horn and uh, Hey Mr. Carpenter. But what he did, and I love Bradley's thinking, he took these two tunes that are usually played in the key of A and took them to another key in D minor, which is just like when you're playing on the fiddle, you just take it down a couple of strings. And you play the exact same thing, and you're in, you're in, you're in another key. So he came up with this March to Real uh, arrangement, and I loved it. And because it's trad, it's okay to use. So we stuck with it, and Mary Beth played the guitar on it. We brought it to Keith, and Keith fell in love with it. And we just we were really experimental with that one tune. You know, we were adding fiddle harmonies. You know, different key changes were happening, and Keith played a couple of other instruments and you know that's how the first flight uh happened and at the time we didn't know what to call this album and i told keith you know what if you think about first flight i am taking my first flight into the air yep. and keith's like okay that's amazing we're going to call the album first flight and uh, that's uh that's what inspired the album perfect and here it is
Hey folks, it's J.P. Cormier here. You're listening to my old buddy Ron Moore on Sounds Atlantic. All right, everyone, that's First Flight. That's the debut album from, from uh, Morgan Tony, with whom I'm speaking today from his home in Cape Breton. Kojua, let, let's have you talk about that as well. Yeah, so Gojua is one of our hits. And it's funny, I don't know, did I, yeah, I mentioned about how me and Keith met. Um, yes. So it was during that pancake night where I played the Gojua for Keith, and Keith fell in love with it. And, you know, when I was in Cape Breton University, I'll, t- I'll talk a little bit about this again. I was listening to a lot of Mi'kmaq songs, you know, very traditional Mi'kmaq songs. And one of the, these songs was one of the many, many variations of the Gojua. There's a lot of variations of the Gojua. And, but this one I really liked. So I learned it by myself, and I didn't have a drum at this time when I was in the, the studio at Cape Breton University. It was just me practicing. And I added a few um, chords in there, you know, with the fiddle. I brought it to Keith. Keith loved it. And we recorded it. And like I said, that inspired the whole album. And so this is, this is what's really great about working with Keith. Keith can play any instrument that you put in front of him. <laughs> and it's hard to believe, but on the album, I'm only playing the fiddle and I'm singing. Everything else that you hear is all Keith Mullins. You know, he's playing the drums, he's playing the guitar, playing the bass, he's providing harmonies, you know, all these great stuff. And so Gojo is one of our biggest hits. You know, it's really big with the Mi'kmaq Nation now. It's one of our most requested songs to play. And, you know, we we just love it. And, you know, this is kind of like what we're going to do in the next couple of records. You know, we're going to play very, very, very popular Mi'kmaq tunes. And we're going to do uh, what we did with the Gojwa of bringing the Celtic flair into it. If you don't mind, I'm going to send Gojwa out to a real good friend of mine who uh, comes from Cape, uh, comes from Prince Edward Island, as a matter of fact, but he's uh, he is uh, part Mi'kmaq. And, oh, awesome. Yep, I'll send this out to my good friend Norbert, and here is Gojwa. Now we got cheese. 
from Morgan Tony's album. Now, now Morgan, I'm just good, I'm going to take a little break here and ask you, uh, say for the past, oh, I don't know, half year, half half year or maybe year, what what have you been up to? What what kind of gigs have you been playing? Where have you been playing? Well, you know, it's been a very, very, very busy year. A uh, very year and a uh, very busy year and a half. But my life changed recently. I met a beautiful woman, and her name is Mariah. Not Mariah, but Moriah with an O, M-O. Uh, we call her Mo. And I met her, you know, in the past year, year and a half. I met her through her dad, uh, Gary, who's a very good family friend of ours, and he was a really good friend of me. And I met Gary, and then I met his son. I knew he had a daughter, but I never met her. But she was a big fan of what I was doing. You know, once the Gojoa came out, you know, she was right there, you know, just fell in love with the music. And maybe fell in love with me. I don't know. But, you know, she was a big fan of the Gojoa. And, you know, I remember when Gary would be hanging out with one of my uncles and they would go pick Mariah up from work. And my uncle would call me and was like, say hi to Mariah. And I was like, hi, Mariah. And she was just like, oh, my God, Mariah. Morgan said hi. And, you know, I got the chance to meet her. And I, you know, once I saw her, I was like, oh, my God, she's beautiful. <laughs> and I asked her, okay, Mariah, do you want to you wanna go for a walk with me? Let's go, walk for, let's go for a walk in the park. And we went for a walk in the park, and, you know, we just had a really good conversation, you know, just getting to know one another. And then guess who called me? It was Keith Mullins. And he said, Morgan, I need you in the studio in, uh, in an hour. we got to get a video done. I was like, oh, okay. 
you know, typical Keith Mullins doing that to me. <laughs> and I told Mariah, I was like, we got to go to the studio. It's very important. I got to go do a video. It's due uh, pretty soon. So Mariah came to the studio and we got to uh, record a song and she got to experience what Morgan Tony's world was like at this time. You know, it was just me in the studio making songs and making videos, sending them out. And, you know, after a while, I would just take her to work. You know, we get to know one another. I used to work at Tim Horton, so I'll make her a cup of coffee and bring it over to her. She'll make <laughs> soup. You know, it was a good good little thing happening there. You know, we, we started dating. And um, I knew that she was the woman for me. You know, I had, you know, I would, I haven't really been going out. You know, I haven't been dating much in the last three years. And I knew when I saw her that she was the woman for me. And so, you know, we did a show in Inverness last summer on the 31st at the county, Inverness County Center of the Arts. And Biolock, which is a big band, a big trad band, Yes, uh, they've they've been guests here on on the podcast. Oh, that's awesome! That's yep. To hear. They're they're really they're all good friends of mine. And oh, good, good. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. After that night, after that show was over, we went to um, we went for a walk on the Inverness Boardwalk, and that's when I got down on one knee. <laughs> I, I proposed to Mariah, and you know, oh, we're engaged now. We're getting married in October. So uh, nice. It's a beautiful year. But you know, besides that, you know, meeting Mariah and the love of my life, I've been busy with Keith and uh, we got the opportunity last October to travel to Portugal to play at Walmart. Oh, lucky you. Like, yeah, the most diverse um, music festival in the world. You know, wow. a lot of music buyers were there and they loved my music. And because of Walmart, I built connections. Uh, and one of these connections was with um, Amanda Rayom. Oh, yes. She's well known here. Yeah, no, Absolutely. And I met them, and they wanted to have me uh, at their International Indigenous Music Summit, which Neat. was last year. Wow. And uh, we got the chance to play with them. And then after, Amanda and um, Shoshona and their team made an Indigenous music label. And then they asked me, Morgan, do you would you like to be part of the music label? So right now, I'm signed with a music label, Ishkade Records, which is... Um, under Universal Music Canada. It's been amazing. And because of this record label, you know, I was able to spread my wings and we've been traveling all over Canada. You know, we got the chance to perform at the Folk Alliance Festival, which was in Kansas. Wow, good for uh, you. Yeah. No, yeah, we've been traveling a lot and, you know, we got to build up quite a reputation, Keith and I. And, you know, it's just been a busy summer. And July, this July was the most busiest month out of Every month that I played, you know, wow, we had two days off in July. No kidding. So, so take us through a bit of July. Oh wow! If I can remember, you know, it, it was mostly uh, uh, Cape Breton gigs, you know, Nova Scotia gigs. We got the chance to go to Fredericton a couple of times, Halifax. But um, you know, that's how it is. I think in July or no, it was in June. I'm sorry. We took like maybe three or four trips out to Ontario and to play a couple of gigs. But, you know, it's been a busy year, and, you know, we're not tired yet. Well, Keith might be a little tired, but, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm young, and, you know, I'm, we're just loving the journey so far, and I can't wait to see what the next couple of years looks like for me. Well, good on you. We'll, we'll talk about uh, more of that, uh, more of this as, as we get through the rest of the album here, but I'd like you to talk about uh, uh, Mi'kmaq Honor Song. Yeah, so... The Big Honor Song is one of the most 
important songs in the Mi'kmaq Nation. And it was made by um, a good friend of ours, George Paul, who was a good friend to the entire Mi'kmaq Nation. And he made a song in the 1980s. And from what I heard, I don't know if it's the exact story, but from what I heard, he was on top of a mountain. And he was fasting for seven days and seven nights. Um, Why was he doing that? And, um, just I think it was just to reconnect with his culture. I'm not too sure, but you know, fasting is a very uh, important part of our um, Mi'kmaq Nation. You know, and we by fasting we are able to reconnect with our culture, to reconnect with our ancestors, and to learn more about ourselves as Mi'kmaq people. Mm-hmm. So George Paul at this time was on top of a mountain, from what I understand. And he went over on this mountain was a cliff and I looked over the, uh, the prairie, beautiful, beautiful scenery from what I heard. And as he was looking down uh, from this cliff, he started to cry. And then this cry then turned into a, uh, a hum. And this hum then turned into a song, which is now the Mi'kmaq honor song. And what the honor song is, it's just us honoring ourselves because of who we are as Mi'kmaq people and how we should treat each other and how we should treat, uh, how we should treat our um, brothers and sisters, you know. Not just our Mi'kmaq brothers and sisters, but brothers and sisters from different cultures and different nationalities, you know. And it's a song about coming together and honoring ourselves and honoring our friends and family and, you know, just being there for one another. So I told Keith, you know, I really would love to play the Mi'kmaq honor song on the record. And so we did. And I got a little bit, a little experimental with it, you know, and I learned the Mi'kmaq honor song on the violin, uh, or the fiddle, I should say. I should say fiddle because I'm from Cape Breton. So I learned it on the fiddle, and Keith loved it. He did, he did his thing. He had a whole bunch of instruments, and you know, it's uh, we were just very thrilled to have that song on our album, you know. And it shows the world too how we are able to evolve. You know, and you would hear the Mi'kmaq Honor song just play traditionally with a drum and singers. But you know, what we're doing is we are we are crossing those boundaries. You know, we are bringing those Mi'kmaq songs with the Celtic music sound of Cape Breton Island. And you know, the Mi'kmaq Honor song, along with Imsit Nogma, is a pure example of what we call Mi'kmaq. And on this song appear, in addition to yourself on uh, vocal and fiddles, Bradley Murphy on vocals, Mary Beth Cardi on vocals, and Keith on the vocals, bass, guitar, and percussion. Here is the Mi'kmaq Honor Song.
We built those boats down at the shipyard for 40 years or more. Hey, this is Dave Gunning, and you're listening to Sounds Atlantic with my good buddy Ron Moores. As I watch the nightfall across the tired floor, far too old for working anymore. All right, everybody, that's the Mi'kmaq Honor song. From First Flight, that's Morgan Tony's album, debut album, and I'm speaking with Morgan about uh, the album. We're doing a track-by-track, and I'd love for you to talk us uh, through a tribute to Mr. Biggs. Who's Mr. Biggs? (coughs) So, Mr. Biggs was a cousin of mine from Eskatoni. And, you know, his name is Wilfred Prosper, uh, Jr. His father, Wilfred Prosper Sr., was a phenomenal fiddle player from Eskasoni First Nation, along with Wilfred Prosper Jr. and his whole family, uh, the Prosper family. And, you know, I, I know the Prosper family really well. You know, uh, uh, Mr. Biggs, uh, the wife there, Laura, is a cousin of mine. So, you know, that kind of, um, that kind of made me get to know Wilfred Prosper on a, on a personal level. And, you know, when he passed away, it was, a um, it was a hard loss, you know, not just to Eskasoni First Nation, but the entire Mi'kmaq Nation, you know, we were heartfelt. And he was with a group, uh, the Cape Breton Fiddlers Association. Not too sure if you're familiar with that, Ron. Um, no. So it's like, a, it's a big, uh, a big group of Cape Breton fiddlers, and they all come together. There's about like, from what I saw, there's sort of maybe 30, 40, 50 fiddlers that wow. come and they play tunes together, and Wilfred was part of this group. And, you know, at this time, I was very early on, uh, early on, I was just making compositions, uh, making my own fiddle tunes, and Mr. Big's reel was one of my very first compositions, and I dedicated it to him. And, you know, that kind of inspired me to make other tunes. And, you know, I've been making tunes. I have around maybe, I would say, 20, mid-20s, uh, maybe 25 tunes under my belt that I made myself. Good for you. And yeah, so how it all happens is that when a family is going through a tough time, or if someone's feeling down, or if something's happening, I make a tune for that person just to lift their spirits up a little bit. And this is an example of what I did with uh, the tribute to Mr. Big, uh, the reel there. And you know, and, and along with those, uh, along with that tune, there's two other tunes that I made. Uh, the second tune is Wally Jones. Uh, Wally Denny's real was a very good friend of mine, a very good family friend from Eskasoni. And the third fiddle tune in that set is uh, Chief Norman's real. And Norman is my chief of the community that I reside in now, Wallace oh, First Nation. He's a really good friend of ours, neat. a good friend to our community. So that is the track. And, you know, that was the very first fiddle set that we included in the album. Cool. Here is yeah. the tribute to Mr. Biggs. We'll be right back.
That's a tribute to Mr. Biggs, and uh, that uh, that is uh, all about the late Wilfred Prosper Jr. of the Escanoni First Nation. And we're working our way through, and I'd love love for you to talk about uh, Alice Sudamahan. Yeah, so Alice Sudamahan was a song that we written together. Um, and we were, at this time, we were building up quite a reputation in Nova Scotia. And a very important part of our musical journey is when we made the Gojo, we reached out to a lot of radio stations. And, you know, many times we got denied, you know, radio play because, well, how I see it is because our song was indigenous. You know, it didn't fit with what the radio station was playing. But there is one radio station that loved the fact that we were what we were doing and they wanted to be a part of it and that was CBC and CBC has been really great to us in the past couple of years and and when the pandemic came CBC came up with a song series that they reached out to a lot of artists from Nova Scotia and we were honored to be a part of this great group of artists to create hope for the people living here in Nova Scotia, because this was a very scary time in Cape Breton. You know, a lot of people were scared. You know, our elders were scared. Our, you know, families who had children were scared because they didn't know what the virus was like. Um, so at this time, CBC wanted to create hope, you know, and to bring people together virtually, you know, through songs. And so they reached out to us. And they had three categories. One was isolation, one was the unknown, and one was rebirth. And because of our vibe that we were doing, we thought that we would fit into the unknown category. Because we do not know what the unknown is. And we were in the unknown at this time, you know, with the pandemic happening. And so we made a song that is called Alasudamahan. And Alasudamahan translates to pray. We need to pray, you know, and, you know, praying is a big part of who we are as Mi'kmaq people too. You know, we pray to the great spirit in the sky to watch over our people, to watch over our families. So Allah Sotomahan translates to pray. We need to pray. And, you know, praying is a big part of who we are as Mi'kmaq people. You know, we pray to the great spirit in the sky to watch over our people, to watch over our family, our friends, to help us get through tough times. And so, this when this is when the Great Spirit Prayer comes into comes into our music yet again, you know. And we based our song this song off the Great Spirit Prayer, like what we did with Instant Nogama. And we weren't done with the Great Spirit Prayer, you know. We felt that that was an important part of our album, so we included that this song Alice in the Month. And it was a great, great production, you know. And uh, CBC helped us a lot, and they got us into Lakewind Studios. Um, there's a guy there, the sound engineer, Mike. Shepherd, we call him Sheppy, and a lot of people know him as Sheppy. And we, he, they brought us into the studio, and they, CBC asked us, "Who do you want to perform with you on this song?" And you know, me and Keith are thinking, like, "Who's our great? Who's the, who is one of our favorite artists?" And we agreed on Colin Grant, and Colin Grant has been a phenomenal, uh, you know, pioneer in the Celtic music industry here in Cape Breton. So we hired him, and we also hired uh, Darren McMullen who is a, a great guitarist and banjo player. So we hired him 
And Keith hired a really good friend of ours, Marshall LeCoin, who played the accordion and a little bit on the piano. And so that was our band for this song. And, you know, we did a great video. CBC put out a video of Alice in the Mountain, you know, and they did this with every song. But, you know, Alice in the Mountain, Alice in the Mountain was, you know, one of our greatest songs that we've ever written as a duo. You know, this is when our songwriting as a team, you know, was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And this is probably one of the last songs that we did, um, Alice in the Mountain. Like I said, it's a very important song to the Mi'kmaq people. You know, it's it's one of the most requested songs that we get alongside the Gojwa because it talks about our Mi'kmaq teachings. And, you know, I have to say a huge thank you to CBC because we are making Mi'kmaq music mainstream, you know, and we are including the Mi'kmaq artists. We're including the Mi'kmaq teachings and we're sharing it with the world because, you know, it's not just our teachings, but everybody in this world can learn from our teachings. And we're not forcing anybody. But we just want the world to listen. We want the world to listen to what we are going through. And, you know, the next song here is an example, The Color Red. You know, one of the issues uh, that we will talk about. But, you know, bringing Mi'kmaq music mainstream with the world is what we envisioned. And, you know, that vision became reality because of this song. Now then, just before we uh, we, we spin uh, uh, hats off to Colin Grant, and for the benefit of those who are listening who may not know about Colin Grant, Colin Grant, as uh, you said, uh, Morgan, has been on the scene for a good few years. I know him because he plays with, uh, and one of the many things he does is to play with, uh, with uh, Rum Ragged. A terrific Ooh. traditional group from uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. And in fact, I just saw Colin not long ago. He also played with you, I think, as, as I recall, in Summerside. I think he was on stage with you in, in Summerside, as well. Uh, Colin was and with with his group um, oh, Holler. He's got a new yeah. uh, new group out called Holler. All right then, uh, let's uh, spin uh, Alasuda Morgan, and uh, we'll be right back to talk about the color red. Let's go to 
Sounds Atlantic with Ron Moores. I'm Matthew Byrne, a traditional singer and guitarist from St. John's, Newfoundland. I'm a solo performer, and I'm also lead singer and music player at the Dardanelles. If you're a fan of great folk and traditional music, you'll find it here, where Ron is dusting off old gems as well as showcasing what's new and exciting in East Coast folk. lies in store for you? Take my advice and do think twice ere you join the Calpine's crew. All right, everybody, that's Alasuda Machen, and uh, we'll just skip now down to the next track on the album, The Color Red, and this strikes at a very uh, very serious and difficult and uh, and, uh, an intolerable situation, if you would talk to us about The Color Red. Yeah, so when we were recording the album, you know, we were sharing a lot about our teachings. But I, it was my idea to talk about the issues that we face as well. And we weren't too sure how this would go. But, you know, it all started with a conversation about the missing and murdered Indigenous women in this country. And, you know, this conversation was very deep that me and Keith had. And I told Keith, okay, let's stop talking and let's do what we do best and let's make a song about it. And so we talked a little bit about what the color red means. You know, it's very important to us as Mi'kmaq people. You know, we get our tobacco pouches in the red pouch. You know, and uh, at this time, you know, we were thinking about what could we do to bring the color red to what it, what it is. And so our elders tell us that the color red is the only color that spirits could see. And, you know, if you have saw, you know, people hanging red dresses on their windows, you know, and on our doorsteps. You know, it's not just to show support to the Mi'kmaq Nation, but it's also to be a guide for the spirits to return home, you know, because the spirits cannot see color from what our elders say, but they can see that one color red. And so we made a song about that, and it's all about a journey, about how a spirit is trying to find their home. And it's a very beautiful song. It's a very, it's the most powerful song. You know, I get teary eyed when I sing it because we did a show in Potamagush last year and we debuted the song in Potamagush. Nobody has heard the album. It was just brand new. You know, nobody has heard the CD. But from what I heard that there was a woman who was sitting next to the speaker, you know, the house speakers in the theater, the Grace Jollymore Theater in Potamagush. And 
we nobody has heard the song, like I said, so nobody was able to sing along because there it was debuted there that night. But when we sang the song, she heard a woman singing along with us. And it was coming through the speaker. Like there was somebody singing through the microphone on stage. And so she came up to me and she was all emotional. And I was like, what's going on? How are you doing? What's going on? And she said, Morgan, when you played that color red song, there was a woman singing with you. And I, me and Keith didn't know what to say. But you know, at this time in Tottenhamagush, I felt a very, I felt a presence on stage. And this is something that I do not share often. Maybe I should be sharing the story. But I got goosebumps when I was on that stage. And I never got goosebumps that whole night because it was very hot. But I got goosebumps when I played this song. And, you know, it all made sense. Like, it was like I was looking around for an air conditioner or a fan, but there was nothing on that stage. And so for that woman to come up and say, I heard a woman singing with you, that, that like, we didn't know what to say. But it was a very powerful moment for us. And, you know, it just shows how important our songs are and how important the message of our songs are. And, you know, it's just, I don't know what to say. Like, it's just, it's just a beautiful song. And, you know, and one of these things, you know, we, because we are bringing Mi'kmaq music mainstream, we also want to talk about the issues that we face. And, you know, the next song that's going to be on the next record is called Aguntuk. And Aguntuk means the front lines. And we are thinking about the survivors of the residential school system. And, you know, that will be on the next record. Maybe once the record comes out, maybe I'll touch base with you again, Ron, and we can talk about that more. Uh, you can count on that. Uh, just yeah, to simply absolutely. drop me a note. Yeah, but no, The Color Red is one of my favorite songs to perform on stage. It's because the, of the story. Uh, Morgan, it's the magic and it's the power of music. Here's The Color Red. She goes out, she wears at least a little color red Cause that's the only color that the spirits see Like her elders say Her mind's been gone, she walks around Only looking for a sign All her thoughts are on the one that's someone she can't find Way oh hey hiya Way oh hey hiya Way oh hey oh hey hiya Way oh hey hiya Way oh hey Way hiya There's always hope You should know that You're not the only one There are many here among us that know of things left undone When you're deep down in the dark, you know you need to find a little light Well, I'm crying out for justice and I hope I get it
That's the color red, everybody. And um, the next track I wanted to ask you about was uh, was your your lovely melody for the elders. But it, this it, it appears to my ears anyway that I've I can't identify the melody, the song, but it's something I've heard before. Where did this come from? From uh, this, the, the melody for for the elders. Well, you know. When I was making my compositions, and like I said earlier on, that I make tunes for people. And, you know, that's how my motivation comes for a tune. Like, I can't just sit in a room and just make something from the top of my head. I have to think about someone or something, and it just comes naturally, almost. But, you know, at this time, when I was making tunes, I was thinking about the people before me. I was thinking about my ancestors, and I was thinking about the elders, and how important our elders are to the Mi'kmaq Nation. And not just to the Mi'kmaq Nation, but for the entire world, you know. But the Mi'kmaq Nation, our elders hold everything that makes us who we are in the palm of their hand. They have the language, they have the culture, the songs, the dances, the teachings, the crafts, everything that makes us who we are. And, you know, it's our job as the younger generation to learn these teachings, to learn these skills from our elders so that our culture can remain strong for hundreds, 200 years, 1,000 years to come. And as a thank you to the elders that have helped me along my spiritual journey, I made a tune for them. And, you know, it's called For the Elders, and it's a beautiful little waltz that I made myself. And I got Keith behind it, and, you know, he did his thing, Keith Mullins' thing, and just made it, you know, 100 times better than what I did. And, you know, that's one of the most beautiful waltzes I ever made in my entire life. And, you know, when we played on stage, it's we we play with passion, and you know I always say it at shows that we do like we have to acknowledge our elders and we have to respect their elders, care for our elders, respect their elders, and love our elders. You know that was just a a little thank you gift for all the elders to help me along. My now day. you wrote the uh, you wrote the melody, did you? And if so, where where did that melody come from? I don't know where it came from. It's okay. just like it it started off with just like a little section, you know, and. Well, then I was going to ask you, um, what, as a kid growing up, what music were you listening to in addition to the music of your own culture? Well, you know, I, the music of my culture was around. And, you know, as a kid, I would just, I would be so in awe, you know, when we go to powwows and all these Maoyomis, the gatherings are Maoyomis, we go to these gatherings and just hear about, you know, hear our songs and to witness the dances, you know, I was always amazed as a kid. And the music that I would hear growing up is uh, my late mother would always play, you know, Rita McNeil, you know, Barry McNeil, Natalie right. McMaster, Rankin Family, all these great okay. um, artists, you know, and I, I would just be around that all my all my um, childhood. Right. And, uh, you know, as I got older, I got uh, to be a teenager, you know, I started listening to other music and and I took lessons from uh, a fella. I'm going off track here just a little bit, but, you know, I met a fella. Um, Sean Dalton, he was with the Trues. Um, oh, yes, back. the Halifax-based Trues. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I knew I their manager very well. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, I got to take drum lessons from him, and, you know, that kind of got me started on this whole music thing that I'm on now. But um, I have to say thank you to Sean Dalton for that. But, you know, that just be the music I'll be listening to, you know, a lot of um, Cape Breton artists, you know, songs from the Mi'kmaq people, you know, just being in the community and being around music and witness the dancing, you know, that that inspired me. And it, it kind of shaped the whole album. 
Well, it's a lovely waltz, and it's a lovely tribute to the incalculable role that elders play in the lives of indigenous people. Here is for the elders. For the elders, everybody, and my goodness, we're down to our last cigarette here, but our last, our last song, Red River to Escasoni. But before we go there, uh, I wanted to ask you, what is going to happen in the next six months? Oh, for me? Yeah. Um, I'm not too sure yet, but you know, gigs are coming in every day. I'm really thankful for that, and um, our schedule is filling up. But you know, one of the biggest highlights. And this ties into the Red River story. On, on October 10th, I'll be playing at the Celtic Colors International Festival. Lovely. Huge here in Cape Breton. But this one particular gig is really um, unique. We will be playing in Eskasoni First Nation um, with a fella who's a really good friend of mine, Alex Sterok. 
he's coming down to Eskasoni, and I'll be playing along with him, and we'll be playing our own uh, little set. But, you know, it's really, oh, it's amazing to tell the story. So I'm going to talk a little bit about it. A couple of months ago, Alex was selling one of his um, fiddles online on Facebook. And he wanted to make sure that this fiddle was going to a very good home. And I was the first one to make an offer. And I bought the fiddle off him. And he sent it down. And I got it. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful violin that has a built-in pickup. And pickups are not really, uh, not cheap these days. But I was really thankful to have that. And so after I got um, this fiddle, the very first tune that I learned on it was the Red River Jake. And I reached out to Alex, and I reached out to his mom, Patty Kostorak, and I asked them, would you guys be willing to teach me the Red River Jake? And I know that they play it a lot, and they do a phenomenal job on it. And so both of them have taught me a lot about it, and he taught me a lot of variations of the Red River Jake. And I would send some uh, recordings over to Alex, and they'll listen to it and come back to me with um, advice and what I should do and you know how, to, how did the Métis people play it. And so after I learned the Red River Jig, I was thinking that there may be only one person in Cape Breton that plays the Red River Jig, and that is me. <laughs> but I wanted to make, I wanted to show the Cape Breton audience that, you know, that this tune exists. And it's a very beautiful, beautiful tune that the Métis people play. And I wanted to make a bridge to Cape Breton Island, from Cold Lake, Alberta to Cape Breton Island. And how I did it is I took a, um, I took a song that was played, that was uh, made by Lee Cremo's father, and people that who do not know who Lee is, Lee was a champion fiddler and a phenomenal fiddle player from uh, Barrowhead, and he, he lived in Eskasoni for quite some time. But he was one of the most well-known fiddle players in all the Mi'kmaq Nation. The people knew him, and very well-known. But what, this one tune is called Eskasoni Breakdown. It's a very popular fiddle tune uh, that kind of sounds uh, it's kind of like bluegrassy, you know, and it's um, it, it blended really well with the Red River Jake. And so when I put those two tunes together, there's the bridge, you know, and people in Cape Breton, you know, have not heard the Red River Jake. They may have heard it, but they have not heard it live. And so when we did this tune, when we did this whole set, you know, people just fell in love with it. And it's amazing to see how we were able to make that bridge from Cold Lake, Alberta to Cape Breton. And so this goes into uh, the Cult of Colors. We are doing the Red River Jig to Eskasoni. We call it Red River to Eskasoni. That's set. How well, guess cool what? is that? The person who played, the person who taught me how to play the Red River Jig is coming to Eskasoni, and I'll be playing that set with Alex Osterock, hopefully, in Eskasoni. You know, it's just a beautiful thing that, the, you know, the Cult of Colors crew did not know about the story, but, you know, I did, and I was, like, so amazed, you know. And I thought they did their research on it, but, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a coincidence, but it's a, it's a beautiful one indeed. Well, just before we go out with the Red River to Eskasoni, I want to thank you ever so much for taking a walk of your time, Morgan. Really appreciate this. I'm glad to catch up with you on the phone after watching you on three different occasions. And uh, it's a delight speaking with you. I wish you well. Uh, and, and invite everybody to your website because I presume, can they get copies of uh, a First Flight from your website? What's the way to do that? Yeah, absolutely. The owner, we have, um, if they go under the contact information, they can reach out to me through email. And uh, right now we're all sold out, but we're waiting on an order to come in. 
And I am taking names for the next record. Um, when the next batch of CDs come in, they'll be going out, and the CDs are $20 um, if you're in Cape Breton. Uh, $25 for uh, shipping and handling, and um, you'll, you'll be able to get a copy of First Flight. And it's, uh, this second batch is going to be on their Ishkade record, uh, because when we made the uh, when we made the record, we were not with Ishkade records, but now that we are with them, you know, they will they'll have their little... Um, to be able to contact with Ishkade Records as well, and to um, what am I going to say? Give me a second, Ron. I got a brain fart. <laughs> They'll be able to reach out to their artists as well and their label. You know, and there's a lot of great individuals who are under Ishkade Records, and I recommend everybody who's listening to your podcast today to definitely go check out Amanda Rayom uh, and another band called Digging Roots. And you can find all these great artists under their Facebook page, Ishkade Records, or on their website. You know, I highly recommend it. And how do we spell Ishkane Records? Ishkane Records is I-S-H-K-O-D-E Records. All right. There you go, everybody. Check out uh, Morgan Tony, M-O-R-G-A-N-T-O-N-E-Y. Check out his website. And uh, once again, Morgan, thanks ever so much for taking the time. And you and I will have a date as soon as your next album comes out. We'll do this again. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. You betcha. Here is Red River to Eskasoni.
You're listening to Ron Moore's Sounds Atlantic. My name is Pastel Leblanc, and I play with Acadian group Bichten from Prince Edward Island and the Magdalen Islands. Stay tuned to listen to Atlantic Canada's finest traditional music. And that, folks, is the conclusion of episode 201 of the Sounds Atlantic podcast. Hope you've enjoyed our feature interview with Cape Breton fiddle player and singer-songwriter Morgan Tony, who was here to showcase his new project title, First Flight. And he'll have another one out uh, before long, and I hope we'll get back and chat about that as well. And thanks especially to all of you who've been listening in from Canada, the U.S., the U.K., Ireland, France, Germany, Australia, Russian Federation, Brazil, and Italy. And welcome to all of you who have tuned in from our 10 towns and cities, from which most of you have been listening this past week. They're similar, well, fairly similar to last week, maybe a couple of changes. They are Victoria, B.C., Halifax, Nova Scotia, St. John's, Newfoundland, Labrador, Cochrane, Alberta, Montreal, Quebec, Leverett, Massachusetts, Toronto, Ontario, Dieppe, New Brunswick, Port Moody, British Columbia, and Kenosha, Wisconsin. How lovely to have you all tuned in. Thanks to all our new listeners. We welcome you from Quebec City, Hilden, Nova Scotia, Midhurst and Kentville, Ontario, Sydney, Nova Scotia, Charlottesville, Virginia, Rose Point and Grand Rapids, Michigan, Gainesville and Fort Myers, Florida, Garland, Texas, Denver, Colorado, Marion, Ohio, Mableville, Arkansas, Cincinnati, Ohio, Reading and Greenwich in England, Nîmes in France, Edinburgh, Scotland, Villejuif, Val de Marne in France, Zurich, Germany, and Melbourne, Australia. Welcome, 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 all of you. Lovely to know you've joined us. Hope you'll stay tuned. This podcast is supported by CKCU 93.1 FM in Ottawa, where I host the back 40 Saturdays at noon, and Sounds Atlantic is also syndicated. Thanks to Anita Best and Gary Wilton at Radio VOBB 95.9 FM in gorgeous Norris Point, Newfoundland and Labrador every Wednesday afternoon. And until next week, I'm your host, Ron Moore, urging you to keep on the sunny side. Stay safe, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you back here soon.